0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages,
1: welcome to Socks on Tap.
0: Tony, I, my first reaction is
1: just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks, which is the that's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the central division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top-button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of.
0: What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough.
1: Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner.
0: Welcome in, White Sox fans. It is... Sox on tap post game show, Johnny Nani here with NWI Steve and we are breaking down unfortunately a White Sox embarrassing 8 to 4 loss. Uh Steve, man, first of all, how you doing? I uh, can't imagine uh, too well.
1: <laughs> hey yo, Johnny. I've been better. Um this game was something. I'm not quite sure what it was, but it was it was a thing.
0: It was, it was a thing that happened and a very unfortunate thing that happened. Uh, we've used un- the series of unfortunate events over at Four Feathers Pod for games like this, so um, yeah, that, that's kind of the flavor that it was for the White Sox here today. Um, I titled this one Six Inning Shit Show, um, because that is where most of the damage occurred. So, um, we, we will get into all of that. Uh, but before we do any of this uh, housekeeping here at On Tap, uh, make sure you go to ONTAPSportsNet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter at at Sox on tap and at on tap sports net. This podcast is presented by grandstand. So make sure you're stopping by grandstand for all of your white Sox and Chicago sports merchandising needs uh, back at the ballpark tomorrow. So uh, make sure you do stop by grandstand, say hi to our friends, stuff and Josh over there. So um, now that that's out of the way, Steve, we can get right into this. Uh, Just hit me with your initial thoughts on this loss.
1: My initial thoughts are this, this game was in a lot of ways a microcosm for what we have seen for the first week of this season here, talking about extremely sloppy defense that has been continued, lackluster starting pitching and their inability to cover more than 15 outs in a game, taxing a bullpen, terrible base running, and just overall poor fundamentals. One of the things we were sold on as a fan base with Tony La Russa coming in was that this was going to be a fundamentally sound baseball team. They weren't going to make – boneheaded mistakes and so far through seven games of the season now look it's only been a week but seven games into this thing none of that has come to fruition I mean this has been a much more undisciplined team than we saw at any point I would say during Rick Renteria's tenure I don't know how else to spin it yeah. And that's a good point because, you know, you talk about Rick Rennery's
0: tenure and that spanned even before a competitive year, uh, like last year. So that is saying something for sure. Um, I I'm also of the same belief with you there, uh, Steve, I was sold on that too, uh, that this would be a fundamentally sound team like this is going to be, you know, taken care of. And sure there might be days when you're just, you know, you're not hitting the ball or uh, some pitchers are having off days and you're going to get beat on some of those, but you know, it shouldn't be beating yourself uh, with the defensive mistakes with the base running mistakes as well. Uh, there's been some of those as well. So, um, um, yeah, it, it definitely disappointing, to say the least. And like I said, um, management in that sixth inning, not great, but we will uh, get to all of that. So um, let's kind of uh, get in here. as the second Dallas Keuchel start of the season. Um, still a bit underwhelming, uh, in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts? I
1: agree 100%. This is a veteran guy. This is an outspoken guy, a guy who fancies himself as a leader on this pitching staff and in this clubhouse in general. Everybody likes to bring up that famous post-game rah-rah speech he gave in Detroit last year as kind of a turning point for for the team. And if you're going to be that guy, you got to go out there and you got to give this team more than 15 outs, plain and simple. As a starting pitcher, he's not gotten the job done. He has not looked crisp at all, even going back to spring training. And I know I joked a lot over the course of the spring about having a mentality, setting a tone for the season. But unfortunately here, we're kind of seeing it firsthand with Keuchel and with some of the other guys, and he just hasn't looked right to this point here, Um, not getting ahead consistently, and really just overall not being crisp with his stuff. And against a team as bad as the Seattle Mariners, for him to only get 15 outs and and not put – this team in a position where they can comfortably win a baseball game with a chance to sweep heading back home for the home opener is very disappointing.
0: Yeah, I would agree 100%. And, uh, so his final line uh, reads out five innings, even uh, four hits, three runs, all of them earned, uh, three walks, and three strikeouts. So um, Also, you'd like to see the walks down and uh, punch-outs up there as well, so uh, statistically not getting done either. And like you mentioned, just the uh, going deep in games, that's been an issue for uh, essentially everyone except Lucas Giolito. Um, and even then, you could say like, okay, there should be instances where he could go deeper too, but I think we'll get to that point um, later down in the season. But um, yeah, overall, I would agree with you because then you're um weaving it up to these situations where uh bullpen has to be managed and uh, obviously was mismanaged today uh, when we got there so uh, let's start with a little bit of the scoring here uh, in this game the scoring plays started in the bottom of the third um and this is the mariner striking first with a uh, france one out single Seeger advanced him uh, to third on a single white grounds into a force out at second uh, score him that makes it 1-0 and then uh, more walked after that but then Murphy ground into a force out at second uh, Mariners on the board here first. And this was after the White Sox did uh, have a chance in the top of the second. And Steve, I just going back, you know, that was the first scoring there. White Sox could have easily led this game before uh, top of the second was no bueno either for the uh, Southsiders here.
1: Yeah, that was something that um, I definitely wanted to touch on right there. You, you start off an inning there. Luis Robert getting on base, Nick Madrigal drawing a, a walk. So you're in a situation here where you've got runners on first and second with with nobody out and Billy Hamilton coming up there. And Luis Robert gets picked off at second base. Again, I talk about about the lackluster play out there, the lackadaisical mistakes, the mental errors. This is a prime example of that. Luis Robert, you can't be getting picked off in that situation. And this just, again, goes back to my – overarching theme to open up the show here we are just seeing too many of these mental mistakes happening here through the first week of the season right there that was a situation they had a chance to break they could have broken the game open right there in the second inning and and put their feet on the throat of the Seattle Mariners and that team as bad as they are they could have just rolled over and died at that point had you jumped on them in the second inning
0: yeah, no, I would agree 100%. And that's just not being opportunistic there. Um, I agree the Robert getting picked off at second base. Uh, sure, there was the review, and you could argue it was close and this and that. But either way, he was called out, and he, should, he shouldn't have been in that position to begin with there. Um, so th- that is just part of the bad base running that I brought up uh, in my initial thoughts for this show. Um, so uh, unfortunately, that one, uh, you know, doesn't go the White Sox way. Uh, don't get on the board there first. And I'd mentioned the Mariners uh, getting on in the top of the third to make it 1-0. Um, as we get to the top of the fifth, though, uh, the White Sox would uh, – take a lead in this one in Hamilton, it was a walk parade today, Steve. So if there's one thing that you can be happy about today, it was the patience and, you know, uh, taking advantage of a pitcher who didn't have his command there today. Um, White Sox. Let's see. What do we have? Um, 10 walks, Say 10 walks, double digit walks. So, I mean, th- th- that is one positive that you can take out. And it was kind of, you know, uh, uh, providing these base runners by walking because it was Billy Hamilton let off with a the walk. Then uh, Mendick popped out to first Eaton walks. Um, Double steal, moved him to second and third, but that wouldn't matter because uh, Lamb, uh, he walked himself as well. Um, so, you know, you're walking the bases loaded there. Uh, Brave pops out the short, but then luckily uh, Grandal with the RBI walk to tie this game up. And then uh, Zach Collins coming through with a uh, two RBI single of his own uh, to make it three to one. Robert flew out. Um, to uh, end that inning, another review play with Luis Robert because it looked like he got hit on the replay, in my opinion, but like Jason Benetti and Steve Stone mentioned, one of the hardest calls to get overturned in baseball there. So um, it feeling okay after that. You know, you should have had more, uh, especially from the second inning, but um, they, they did get on the board here in the fifth, um, and they would add another one in the top of the sixth with Nick Madrigal's leadoff double. Vaughn struck out, but then Danny Mendick uh, recalled the day uh, gets an RBI single to make it 4-1 Sox. Uh, just uh, talk about Mendick coming back up because this was news uh, earlier today with Tim Anderson being moved to the IL.
1: Yeah, that's certainly not positive news knowing that Timmy's going to be out for at least another week here uh, recouping with that hamstring injury. But, you know, Danny Mendick, there there have certainly been calls for him to come back up given the lackluster performance um, through the first week of uh, Nick Madrigal here. And people are really kind of turning on him very quickly. Even some of his most ardent supporters are looking at, Things right now, and saying, you know, what is this guy doing out here? So, the cries for Danny Mendic have been uh, growing a little bit louder with each passing day to this point. Not necessarily fair from the perspective of Dick Madrigal's only played 40 games here at the major league level. So, um, it it could be a little bit overblown from that perspective, but. You know, Mendick's a guy that has shown some potential in, in short bursts. If you look at the overall line um, for his career from a batting perspective, it doesn't look impressive at all. He's a guy that does have some defensive versatility, was a gold glove finalist famously in the uh, short 2020 season here. So It will be interesting to see maybe if he's made any kind of offensive adjustments to his game at this point and if he can solidify himself as a viable utility option because given some of the challenges that this team is having from a health perspective right now, they need the versatility here.
0: Yeah, Steve, I I agree. Um, You know, that that is the option to bring up here. And I agree. It's unfortunate that Timmy's going to be out for longer. Uh, Tony was hoping that uh, maybe a Thursday return, but obviously that's not in the cards here. So we'll see what Mendick brings to the table. Either way, where we were at in this game, uh, this was a, uh, you know, like I said, RBI single two put the White Sox up four to one at this point. But then we get to the bottom of the six, and this is where it all fell apart, man. Um, You know, this whole sequence of it, you know, the other, like, kind of, I keep a little recap of the scoring here and the other sections are you know maybe like two three lines this one's like fucking like six lines here it's ridiculous so uh marmalejo's leadoff walk uh more single to right the runners advanced second and third there on eaton throwing error talk about this play what the hell happened there between Nick magical Adam Eaton and then the throw into second
1: base here well the the biggest thing is you didn't have guys backing up in spots where they were supposed to be um I, I can tell you as a pitcher you're taught that you always need to be backing up a base out there as soon as soon as the ball is put in place. So Keuchel needed to be in a position there where he's behind the third base bag in that particular spot so that if a throw does get away, he can corral it so that it's not rolling all the way to the wall, allowing guys to advance an additional 90 feet. He didn't do that in that spot. He was not positioned correctly. Again, that kind of comes back to some of the coaching questions that I've had here through the first week of the season, here is and fundamentally, what are we doing here? And Dallas Keuchel, that's a veteran guy. What? Where the hell are you going in that spot? You need to be positioned correctly there to prevent two guys from moving up ninety feet. But backing it up even a step further, you get the top half of that inning. You get a four to one lead. You got to go out there. You got to shut the door. Keuchel is at like eighty two pitches, and you go out there and you issue a leadoff walk to Marmalade, and and then a, a base hit. You got to go out there. You got to slam the door right there. You got a chance to give your bullpen a little bit of a breather here and take control of this game. And you don't do it again as a veteran guy who wants to be a leader here. This is a spot where you got to go out there and you got to show it. And he did nothing, and I mean nothing, in that inning right there from a leadership perspective. And it was just so disheartening to see.
0: Yeah, it's very contradictory to like going back to what you had mentioned earlier, the kind of fire-up speech at Detroit last year. Uh, you got to lead by example, too, and he was not doing any of that, so I think you summed it up perfectly there um, in what went down there, and this is just the start of the shit show here uh, as we get into the sixth inning. So uh, after that Eaton Air, Foster would come into the game, and uh, Tony left him out to dry uh, longer than it happened. So here, here's how it unfolded. Murphy hits an infield single after that. Trammel RBI single gets uh, Mariners back another 1-4-2. Uh, Haggerty. Strikes out and then Crawford, an RBI single, four to three. Hanniger sack fly. Uh, four to four were tied. France walk. Seeger with the three RBI double. This really broke it open. Uh, your win probably added play of the game, probably. I'd have to go and look, but it uh, has to be one of them. Uh, that made it 7-4. Uh, Mariners, uh, you're back, to, you know, turning over the lineup again. You're hitting around. They're hitting around on you uh, in the sixth inning here. Not great, Bob. Uh, that's why we call it the shit show. Um, that wasn't it, though, because Marmalejos would hit the RBI single, make it 8-4. Uh, that's eventually all the scoring that it would be. Uh, Matt Foster not able to finish this inning. Ruiz in. Uh, eventually induce the ground out to more um what the hell are we doing who, who should have been in
1: here and w- when uh, when should they have gone in a couple things here first i want to talk about matt foster so this is the second or third time now we have seen that from him in this first week of the season for whatever the reason something is not translating from last year's matt foster to 2021 matt foster He's going out there. He's getting ahead of guys with pretty good regularity, but for whatever the reason, he's throwing harder this year and he's not able to put guys away. You had that 11 pitch at bat um, that, that wound up in in a walk to Ty France, but just even some of the earlier at bats, you know, you're giving up, you're giving up an RBI single to JP Crawford on a two strike count. That's a guy you got to bury right there. That's a guy that is a, a 1960s glove first shortstop who you should be knocking the bat out of his hands with your 96 mile an hour fastball. So, something is off here with Matt Foster. And I know we had talked, I can't remember if we had talked about this with Dan Zaborski when we had him on the show, or if it was something he and I had kind of talked about um, on Twitter there. But he had some concerns about Foster coming into the season as a regression candidate. And through the first week of the season, we're seeing this a little bit and it is very concerning because that's a guy that was really nails in the bullpen during the 2020 season here. So Ethan Katz really needs to kind of figure out what the deal is here. If there's something going on with the pitch mix that needs to be adjusted, but they got to get him back on track. Ultimately the, the greater issue in that inning was the fact that Tony left him out there. As you said, Johnny, he left him out there to dry for 30 some pitches there had to come a point, we haven't seen Aaron Bummer, we haven't seen Liam Hendricks in three or four days here at this point. Why, particularly with both of those guys, as individuals who can go multiple innings, get four or five outs apiece, why is Bummer not getting loose at you know the first sign of trouble from Foster there in that particular spot? Even considering that Foster's coming in with two guys on base already, You know, so things have the chance to get out of hand and and Seattle has a chance to get back in this game quickly. Why are you not preparing for that? And I think Tony had mentioned that after the game that he did a bad job of overall managing and handling that bullpen in that particular spot there. So that's my biggest critique of that sixth inning.
0: Yeah. And the, the, I only caught a little bit of it before we jumped on our live here, Steve, but basically it was just, you know, I didn't manage how I need to. And that's like basically the extent of the response that he gave. I don't know if there's anything further after that. I don't know if you heard anything more, but that's kind of like a bullshit. Like, uh, it's like, okay, you're not even going to go into detail because I asked him to expand upon it. And he didn't really like, I would have liked to hear like, okay, yeah, I should have gone to this guy then at this point, you'd still be upset with the result, but I think you could be a little bit more, you know, uh, at least, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You can be transparent about it. That, that's, that's what you put it right in my mouth there. So um, I, I agree with you. I, I would like to see bummer in there Um, because I, I can understand, you know, I, I know you're going for high leverage outs here and sure either Hendricks or bummer would have been fine. But if you're really that opposed and old school and like, that's your, Process of thought. You can go to your setup. And Aaron Bummer doesn't have to be eighth inning guy. Like you, you can go earlier. Like, you know, the, I'm with you there. You should, it should have been warming up at, you know, the first signs of trouble in there. Um, and you would probably be talking about a much different result here. Um, even if the Mariners do scratch maybe one or two across, uh, it's not as, uh, you know, damaging blows. And um, this ultimately was the turning point in the game, obviously, uh, because these are the game winning runs scored there. And it was just a complete meltdown overall from the defense, the management, and Obviously, Matt Foster um, himself and Dallas Keichel at the very beginning, not doing any of that. So um, that sums up the whole shit show of the sixth inning. So, uh, Steve, if you have any other significant thoughts, significant game notes from this one, uh, go ahead and air them out because this one's tough to uh, kind of digest still. I think everybody's upset about it in White Sox land. Um, I know we're going to move on. We're going to be back home and that'll be fun to talk about because, you know, you and I will be at the ballpark tomorrow. But um, let's finish this one up and then
1: we can get to that. Okay, uh, two two other points I want to make here, you know. So you have that disastrous sixth inning. You go then to the top half of the seventh. Jake Lamb leads off with his third walk of the game. Abreu gets a walk or gets a, gets a single. Yaz gets a walk. So you got the bases loaded and nobody out. You're down four runs, but you got a chance here to claw your way back into this thing. You don't have to get them all back with one swing of the bat. And you got Zach Collins coming up here, bases loaded and nobody out. This was, I think, the turning point again in this game, and I tweeted about it. Once once this bat was over, I said the game was over at that point. First pitch, Collins goes out there, checks swing on a on a high fastball, and then the next pitch pops out to shallow short right there. So that was just a very piss-poor bat. You had Kendall Graven on the ropes, couldn't find the strike zone there. As Steve Stone was mentioned, he's flying open with his front shoulder, which as a pitcher tells you that when you're flying open with your front shoulder, you're going to be sailing up and away towards your arm side. And that was – very consistent with what Kendall Graven was doing. And so now you got Zach Collins going, chasing these pitches, a guy that his hallmark as an offensive player is his patience and his strike zone management. Well, where the hell was it? And you picked a really, really bad spot to abandon your one real carrying tool to this point. Um, The other thing that is going to be worth watching now is Billy Hamilton, who actually has been swinging the bat pretty well to this point and, and doing a good job defensively there, had a hamstring injury. So now I'm anticipating him going on the DL too. So we're looking at a situation now where where this team's going to lose another outfielder. So I'm anticipating Luis Gonzalez being in the lineup or, or being on the active roster when this team returns home tomorrow for the home opener and Billy Hamilton going to the IL.
0: Yeah, that didn't look good because that was on that double steal that i had mentioned earlier and he was sliding into third base and uh you know obviously both him and Eaton safe at their respective bases but yeah, uh, the injury like you mentioned uh and it, it sucks because you're right he was swinging the bat and sure it was going to come down. I think everybody knows that. That's not Billy Hamilton's game. He's not an offensive player. Like um you know it uh it's tough to lose one of the guys that is actually uh, producing a little bit and maybe unexpected, act unexpectedly uh, you didn't really expect to get too much from uh, kind of production wise early on. So um, that is unfortunate. And then obviously that whole situation that you had mentioned uh, in the inning, if they had a chance to claw back into it, that was it. I, I was extremely upset. Like you you outlined Collins at bat very well and the issues there. And then uh, you can't be upset about Robert though. At least he hit the ball hard. It was unfortunately was at the, you know, in the wrong spot and Was able to uh, allow the Mariners to turn a double play there and and get out of that one unscathed, uh, despite the early kind of uh, worries in that inning for them there. So um, unfortunate way to end this series, and of course now you're under 500. This puts you at three and four uh, when you had a chance to sweep this series. uh, Go in feeling really good uh, against a division rival that will be, uh, you know, playing you in your home opener uh, in the Kansas City Royals, uh, and they can hit the ball. So uh, going forward, Steve, the White Sox got to clean up defense and base running uh, mental aspects of the game and the pitching uh, needs to step up as well. So you're talking about starters going in and uh, kind of relieve, you know, not relieving, but uh, taking some stress off of these relievers. If they have to come in, uh, put them in, not coming into, you know, uh, a burning room, so to say, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And we'll see it in person tomorrow uh, when we're both back at the ballpark. The first time since 2019.
1: Yeah, listen. This um, it, it does certainly put a damper on on things leading into tomorrow. I always kind of look at at this as tomorrow's like Christmas Day for me. You know, you you grow up a, as a kid. You talk about a lot of the anticipation of Christmas on. You know, the night before, you're all excited, you're all jacked up trying to figure out what you're going to get. I mean, I was that kid that was always finding the presents the night before, so I usually had a pretty good idea of what was going down that that day, but. As an adult now at this point, this is the calm before the storm. We've been waiting over 18 months now to get back in that ballpark. So there's going to be a lot of adrenaline. There's going to be a lot of excitement tomorrow for people to actually be back in there. Um, It's going to be dampened a little bit because of the fact that we can't all get together and throw a kick-ass party in Lot B beforehand and and just get wild and crazy like we normally would. But we got to take what we can kind of get right now. Um, As you mentioned, Johnny, look. You got to clean up the mental mistakes here. Lance Lynn, second start, first start at home at 35th and Shields here. Somebody, somebody desperately needs to give this team as a starting pitcher 18 outs, and Lance Lynn needs to be that guy tomorrow. You mentioned this Kansas City Royal team, very pesky lineup. A lot of guys that can go out there work counts, and they got some some thump in there with Jorge Soler. Carlos Santana, and some other guys that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. So he's got to go out there. He's got to be aggressive in counts early, establish that good quality fastball command. You're going to see a lot of fastballs from him, whether it's four seamers, cutters. He's got to go out there. He's got to pound the strike zone quickly, effectively, be efficient with his pitches, and desperately, desperately needs to give this bullpen a breather.
0: Bye. That's a, that's a great uh, summarization of that. Um, and, you know, it is, you know, kind of concerning right now with the way things have been trending a little bit uh, in these first two series, um, obviously the first two games against Seattle, not as much to worry about, but then you can pick and choose spots in there, but obviously today's game and then uh, pretty much all of the angels series um, definitely uh, leave some worrisome spots. So I will say though, despite all of that, if there's one guy that I would want there in that spot, Obviously, Giulio already went, so that's not there. But if there's a guy coming up that you could pick, it would be Lance Lynn for me. So I, I think this could be the one to get back on track. And, Steve, I lined up, you know, with the tickets, uh, kind of like picking them before, since um, it kind of all got out of whack uh, from the plan. You're not on your same set things, and you have to buy all of them or whatever. I only did the individual game once, and I made sure to buy both Lance Lynn starts, uh, kind of. for. First of all, I was just excited to see him in a white socks uniform. And then, second of all, I think he'd turn in some good outings like this. Uh, and You know, it, it, we're not going to the bullpen super. Early, hopefully,
1: agree one hundred percent. Look, when when I was in college, I'll kind of give you a little bit of a flashback. When I was playing at at South Suburban, our coach Steve Rusich. He was very much a guy that would harp on mentality. And and the thing that he would always say to us is, as a pitcher, you got to go out there and you got to have a fucking cocksucker mentality. That was his word that he would always use. Is you got to go out there and you have to believe that you're going to take that ball and you're going to shove it up the ass of so whoever is in that box. I don't care who it is. Lance Lynn is a guy. He has that mentality. You watch him pitch. You see it from him. You see the fire and the passion. He's very much got it. They really could use it tomorrow. Him going out there, giving this team at least six quality innings, that's what get. That's what the doctor needs tomorrow. Let's get it done, baby.
0: Yep, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, just looking back at that first start back on Saturday out in Anaheim. Uh, sure, when you go and just look at the line, you think, oh, four and two thirds. Well, that's not getting the 18 ounce that you asked for. Well, you know, th- there were, you know, obviously other instances. He gave up two runs, but none of them were earned. So there's defense behind him issues. So that's, you know, obviously we have already harped on that of something that needs to be cleaned up. But there were instances of he made the best, you know, player in the game. Best to player right now, Mike Trout, looks silly into it bats with fastballs, just overpowering him. So, I think that there's no one of that caliber on the Royals. So hopefully we're seeing some more of the same uh, and just kind of, you know, uh, heating them to death. So uh, I, I hope that's the case uh, on the other end for the Royals. It will be Mr. Brad Keller. Someone we're familiar with. Um, he got rocked in his first start, Steve. Uh, you know the Rangers and Royals basically played basketball games score wise <laughs> instead of baseball for their first series. But uh, Keller was one of these on opening day. Uh, he just went one and a third, nine hits, six earned runs, two walks, no strikeouts versus the Rangers, like I said, on opening day. So, um, I you, you think the boys can get to him uh tomorrow?
1: I would think that they're going to be pretty well. They're going to look, they're going to be amped up with it being the home opener to begin with. But the fact that it's Brad Keller in the home opener, I think that's going to add a little bit of extra juice to it. This is again a scenario where Timmy not being in the lineup, maybe adding a little bit of extra energy and a little extra life to the team could be a little bit to their detriment. Um If he were available, that was definitely going to be my pick to click because you know he was going to be looking mm. dead red for that first pitch fastball. They hit to the fucking moon tomorrow off of Keller here, and, and he was going to try to bat flip that thing into another state. But, you know, he's not going to be there. But, again, I think that this team, um, given just the history with the Royals here, I think they're going to be uh ready to go. They're going to be chomping at the bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I would agree with you. It does kind of a little emotional and uh, obviously also on the field too. You'd like Timmy's production there, uh, especially for, like you mentioned, having a little chip on his shoulder, trying to drive that first one out um, or at some point at any time there, you know, you'd love to bat flip Brad Keller again. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to go, we're going to get into our picks to click here, uh, I will go with another ready hitter, a guy who just hit his 200th uh, on Tuesday night here in Seattle, and I'll go to Peto. Um, I think he is one of the guys that he remembers that. Remember, he was the one holding Timmy back and you know, just trying to make sure shit didn't get too out of control after that whole brawl happened in 2019, um, but I think Peto, he'll keep that in the back of his mind, and you saw the mementos that he's doing for Eloy Jimenez, carrying the red gloves, they had the jersey and all that on opening day. Um, he's one that won't forget that, and that will stick in his minds. So uh, I think Peto might not do the bat flip, but I think he could uh, have the potential uh, to take one out on Keller. So I'm going to go with him who you got for your pick to click since it can't be Timmy.
1: I'm going to go with Adam Eaton making his return to the South side. And Adam Eaton's a guy that himself had some issues with the Royals back in the day. I was at the game back in, I think it was 25th. I think it was 2015 when him and Jordano Ventura got into it on a, on a cold Tuesday night in April. So there's some bad blood with him. The, this Royals team, Salvi Perez and the Fun Police, I think he's going to come out there. And I wouldn't be surprised if he puts one into the Goose Island section tomorrow here as a uh, welcome home present.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So, Steve, I think we've covered all the on-field stuff. Let's talk about what you're most excited to be back about the at the ballpark. What's, what's drawing you in? Obviously, the baseball itself, but um, experience-wise,
1: what are we looking for tomorrow? I think just to be able to sit in the seats and and just relax for three and a half hours, kind of taking in all the sights and the sounds of the ballpark, all the smells, just walking on that concourse right there, getting that waft of those grilled onions on, on the hot dogs there as you're walking through that concourse. We've been missing that for, like I said, 18 months now. So you, you just you get back in there. It's going to bring back all those positive memories that you have, and it's going to make you feel all the warm and fuzzies down down inside and, and down in your nads and everything. And uh, it's just going to be good to be home. Yeah, be good to
0: be good to be home. Boys will be back. You know, I kind of overlaid this. Boys are back in town. Our little edit there, uh, so all the viewers can see it. Um, yeah, uh, the, the boys are back in town. That's going to be on repeat on my playlist tomorrow for sure. I agree with you on the smell of the grilled onions. That is huge for me on the south side. So um, you know, I it's going to be a little different. Like we know, we have the pod seating, and you got your restricted areas, and you can only go and you know park in certain lots when your seats are in a certain section, and you got all of that. Um, but When you get back in there, when those food sections are there, one thing that's probably going to be in every one, I'd have to go and look specifically to confirm this, but you can't imagine there wouldn't be hot dogs in every single section. So um, at least, you know, like the, you know, obviously the the one, Thing will serve multiple sections there, but you'd imagine there's hot dogs at every one of those uh, where pods are located. So, um, I think that uh, will be one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to. Obviously, Lance Lynn, uh, seeing him first time in person, uh, wearing the black and white that is one thing on the field I'm looking forward to. Um, and then you know, it, it's been a while, so it's like you know, after a season, you might get a little bit tired of this, but I, I don't, I, I won't mind paying you know, whatever it is, 13 something bucks for a beer, um, you know, just to have it in. in because it's part of the atmosphere there and you're drinking it out of what I don't know. That's another thing too. I'm interested to see what it'll be because they have the uh, kind of some menus for like, you know, if you're ordering to, you know, mobile ordering on there, mm-hmm. uh, some sections at different things, different options, but um, I, either way, I will be getting a beer and overpaying for it, but
1: gladly overpaying for it. You so. know, the, the other thing too that is kind of lost in the shuffle of everything with, with last year, this will be our first time as a fan base to get to see both Yasmani Grandal and Luis Robert in person. That's true.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That I mean, you, you think back about it, and you can talk about more of these recent acquisitions, and obviously, sure, it'll be great to see Liam Hendricks, too, if we do get to that safe situation, and he's in there at any time. Um, but th- those are guys that were acquired before the, you know, and, we had, and that's a weird thing, because when they were acquired, we were full-on expecting
1: to see them in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you go back and I, I think with with Luis Robert, you look at this entirety of the rebuild process. You think about 2017, the call-ups for Joan Moncada. I remember being there. I remember the standing ovation he got there at night. I remember being there for uh, Ronaldo Lopez's first start with the Sox, for Lucas Giolito's first start. The, the electricity in the crowd for Michael Kopeck's debut than being there on on opening day 2019 for Eloy's debut. So not getting that opportunity with Luis Robert last year, that that stung a little bit, and it's going to be lessened and dampened due to the crowd restrictions here. But to finally be able to see this guy in person, and, man, it would be so awesome if he could just, you know, if Brad Keller just happens to miss his spot, throw a little cock shot to Luis Robert and have him hit one onto the fundamentals deck right yes. there to say, hey, hey, boys, I'm here. Let's go.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you had Eloy Jimenez's first home run at uh, home went up the stairs going to the fan deck in center field. Obviously, didn't hit on there. That would be an unbelievable shot. I don't think anyone's going to do that. The highest you can get is up into the uh brush there where, like, Jim Tomei hit some there. Um, but, you know, Eloy had a very impressive one there. I would love to see one like that. And, uh, you know, like you said, fundamentals deck, aiming for it. But, hey, if that thing gets to the concourse of very well could with how hard he's hitting the ball uh, because he absolutely roped one last night, um, Tuesday night, that being, uh, when we're talking about this here. So uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to see all of these guys in person for the first time. So um, yeah, make sure my my last message here to White Sox fans on this, make sure you just go on and look up what section you have in corresponding with your parking lot and where you need to enter gatewise. So you're not, you know, stumbling around and missing uh, any potential game action uh, because you're looking for it and you can't, won't let you enter there because you can only go in a specific gate so look at your color code on your ticket uh go and match it up with the thing on the white Sox website and they should if you have tickets they should have sent you an email so just go and double check all that before you go just a fan guide here, uh, just saying it because I did all that, made sure I got the screenshots that I needed. So I know where the hell I'm going uh, tomorrow. And luckily Steve, you know, I will, we'll be tailgating in lot B, but I will be parking in lot B uh, because I did get my tickets. I enjoy the third baseline. I don't know about nice. you, where you're sitting, but I enjoy the third baseline. I, I just like the view of, uh, you know, first of all, the view of the field. And then I also like seeing the bullpen who's warming up. So I'm down the
1: third baseline again, where are you sitting? Um, um in, for the I will. I will be down the down the first baseline in uh, Section 114. So um, pretty much on the opposite side of the field from you at, at this yeah. point here. Um, and then, you know, look, also, either before or after the game, like you were saying at, at the start of the show, go see our boys um, over over at Grandstand. Go see Josh. Go see Stephanie. You're going to need some new gear here. It's a new season in person. You're going to need a new hoodie, a new T-shirt, a new hat, something. Go see him.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the grandstand, you know, uh, very close to the ballpark. So that's one thing, you know, you can't tailgate and whatnot. But hey, if you're getting there early and you don't want to go in the stadium just yet, um, make a little trip over to grandstand. It's it, you know, you can warm up if it's cold at all or if it's windy or raining at all because there may be some rain in the forecast. I'd have to go and uh, contact our guy, the weather guy, Tony, uh, you know, uh, Tony Twista. But, um, you know, Roger Bossard is hoping for, you know, if there are morning showers, should still be fine with a 3.10 p.m. start. But either way, you can take some shelter in Grand Sin and pick yourself up some new merch. So make sure you go and do that Um, and uh, tell them that Sox have sent you and, uh, you know, uh, they'll enjoy that. So um, I agree, Steve, that's about all I've got here, but I cannot wait to get back to the ballpark. Tough one today. But I think all of that will be relieved as soon as I walk in and
1: smell the grilled onions tomorrow. I don't know about you. No question about it. Like I said, just when I get in there. Just going to kind of take a a little minute to myself, maybe just individually here, and just kind of appreciate the moment, just being able to finally be back home.
0: Yep. Absolutely. So uh, that about does it for this show. Um, once again, we already mentioned, make sure you're going to Sand for all of your white Sox merchandising needs, Chicago sports too. It's not just white Sox. There's black Hawks bulls. We won't say that other team on the North side of town. Uh, but if you need any of that family members, whatnot, um, you can go and pick it up at grandstand and they do customization. So if you're not seeing a Jersey that you want yet, I know they made the Terminator one, which is sweet to see <laughs> on the broadcast that Ozzy Guillen was holding up there. So uh, that was really cool. But Hey, uh, if you got other ones that you want there, like maybe may a Garrett crochet. Uh, that could be one. That is appealing. There, um, you know, you can go and get it customized at Grandstand. So, other than that, um, you can go and follow us on Twitter at Sox on Tap and at On Tap Sports If you enjoy the podcast, go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcast. And when you subscribe, you can get these right in your queue, uh, so you don't have to wait around and see a link from us on Twitter or Facebook or uh, wherever it may be. Um, you can get those there. But obviously, we will tweet these episodes out too uh, as they come out. So, a shout out or a final thought, and then we'll get out of here. Steve, what do you got?
1: Uh, shout out, you know, let's, uh, you know, good old Jason Hosking, part of the, uh, good old Iowa Sox crew. Um, you know, it's going to be going to be funny to hopefully run into him a little bit tomorrow before the game. So, uh, be, be nice to kind of see some of the old faces that we haven't seen in a while here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Steve, uh, Jason's always a good shout out. I'm going to go, uh, Iowa guy as well too. Uh, Iowa Sox there, he's in the comments here. Uh, it says it's from Periscope. Um, Unfortunately, looks like we had a little bit of Twitter issues there. I did post the YouTube link as well to the Sox on Tap Twitter page when we went live here. Uh, YouTube and Facebook seem to be working. We have viewers from there, but Twitter, for some reason, uh, not loading up for us here today. But that's all right. Uh, this will be available in podcast form as well. But Iowa Sox, looks like you got a comment in through the Twitter broadcast. So I'll uh, shout out you. And uh, hopefully I'm seeing you out at the ballpark there. So I'll be there. I'll for be seeing you weeks.
1: tomorrow before the game, Ryan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um th- that is all I've got though, Steve. Let's close this thing down and get out of here and get out to the home opener. I can't wait. White Sox forever.
1: White Sox for life.